Good afternoon and welcome to In the Know with Jenny. I hope you're in for a entertaining afternoon with me. Happy Wednesday to you all. It looks like a beautiful day so far. I hope everybody is enjoying it. We have an interesting guest today, but before I get started, I just want to say thank you for tuning in and making sure that if you have a comment or question for our guest today, please drop it in the comments. So that's the only way I'm going to be able to see you. And we're doing really good. Our numbers are really good, which I'm really happy about. I don't think that we have any glitches so far today. I know the um, live broadcast is on many different platforms, including Roku, Facebook, YouTube, and it's on the live afternoon in New Orleans and in Henderson Point on 105.3 in New Orleans and 107.7 in uh, Henderson Point. I believe that's where it is in New Orleans. Yeah. So I just want to let you know. Hi, Tara. How are you? Great show last night. Um, Tara was with uh, Sean on Into the Night. I was gladly entertaining him. I think I was. We had a really uh, fun time. Also on Chasing Prophecy, uh, we are hitting our numbers are getting higher and higher. Although it could be higher. Um, we lost John Ventry on um, the uh, second show. Chasing Prophecy on it seven. Uh, he's doing some campaigning. Hopefully, if he wants to come back, he's more than welcome to. And I just want to let you know, there's some crazy stuff going on in the news again um, with our wonderful leader in charge. Some of the comments he made, we're going to talk about that later in the show. And if you have um, any anticipation of any kind of questions you want to ask today, either for myself or for our guests, please, please do. We have a very interesting guest, Luke Howard. He's a, the number one hypnotist in, in Toronto. I believe that's where it is. So if I'm wrong, um, <laughs> yeah, it was a great show. So if you have any questions for him and the reason why I wanted to bring him on the show was because I have been to a hypnotist, um, I said that wrong too, Howard. You're going to have to correct me. I went to a number of them in my lifetime, going back as far as my teen years, because I struggle with addiction. Um, I don't mean cigarettes. I don't mean alcohol. And I don't mean um, drugs. My addiction is for sugar and goodies. And I know I have a lot of people have that problem. So my weight goes up and down a lot. And I have an addictive personality. Anything I start, I overdo it. Okay. So it's either exercising, going out when I was younger, partying. I would stay up all night reading, writing, doing anything I overdo. I have a problem with that. So I guess that would be considered an addiction with everything I, I overdo. I don't know the word moderation. And I think a lot of people are in the same category as me. And I know, I know, uh, there's so many people that are trying these new weight loss drugs, especially the one, um, like Ozempic or Monjoro or what's the other one, Wingovi. And I always, I would love to do that. Um, but I want to see if I can deal with it myself on a more, more conservative 
way to do it method. So without further ado, I'm going to bring our guest into the live stream. Welcome to, Ch uh, I almost said welcome to Chasing Prophecy. Welcome to In the Know with Jen. Glad to have you. Hey, Jen, how are you? I'm doing well. I love your accent. Thank you. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. <laughs> what does that mean? Over the show, we're ready to rock your audience here today. Oh, good. I'm glad. I would love you to rock our audience. So um, tell me, where are you at now? Where are you located? I am located on planet Earth now. I'm located uh, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And where's that wonderful accent coming from? Um, it is from Guess. And I won't be offended. Australia, oh, New no. Zealand. I'm say, don't say Australia. I'm from London, England. Oh, it's a beautiful yeah. accent. Thank you. What part? London. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're there now. Wow, that's awesome. I'm so happy. I'm in Toronto now. Oh, in uh, I'm from, from London. Okay. So you were born and raised in London. Yes. Okay. You have a, like a little bit of a, um, how would you say that accent? Sort of like, uh, What's what's uh the more hipper town of England? Um, I can't remember the name of London. It. No, the like a more punkier side. Okay, I'll take it as a compliment. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. So tell me, how did you get involved in this? Uh oh my goodness, I've told this story so many times. So let me say it a little bit different to you guys. Um, when I was young, I had about every single problem. You can imagine. Um, the only problems I didn't have is I wasn't sexually abused and I wasn't addicted to drugs. But everything else you can imagine, I was bullied. I was obese. I was agoraphobic. I was anxious before everybody was anxious. I was depressed. I was suicidal. Had a horrible relationship with my parents. Had no friends. Had no prospects. Um, I spent years going to child therapy because they all thought, oh, there's something wrong with him. Nothing wrong with the family dynamic. And after 10 years of that and nothing helping me and failing, even failing in suicide, um, hit, I found hypnosis when I was 17. I'm now almost 44. I know it's hard to believe. And so over half of my life now, I've been pursuing hypnosis, learning about hypnosis, learning from people far smarter than me, spending way too much money learning these skills because mm -hmm. it helped me to save myself. And I figured if it, if this gen, I got a generic audio cassette that I bought in 1995. I'm like, if this generic one size fits all audio cassette that knows nothing about me and my pathology, Imagine if I learned this stuff for real, how much of a difference and a force for change I could be in the world. So then that started me on the chapter of, again, the last 20, almost 25 years now of um, of doing this stuff. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I think we all struggle with a lot of, I mean, my childhood was a good childhood, but I had some issues and I think I brought a lot of it into my, you know, adulthood. And so, Okay, uh, tell me a little bit about hypnosis and, and what you you know specifically do with a client. Yeah, so there are no specifics because, well, there is, everything is specific, so there's no frame, right? There's no one size fits all. I should ask you before I start talking, sometimes I've been known, Jen, to have a bit of a potty mouth. So I should ask you. Yeah, uh, don't use, try to stay away from a lot of potty right, stuff. No, no, this is a regular, it's not like we're on a regular, we have, we're regulated. So try to keep that. the F word down to a minimum. So I can't <laughs> say fun? <All> right. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, you can't say fun today. <laughs> here's, here's how typical hypnotists work. Someone comes in, the client is addicted to sugar, right? So they get their little script book and they find S and they find underneath sex, sugar. And they go to sugar and they go to sugar addiction and they look at this script. They don't look at the person in front of them. They look at the script and they just recite the script, missing all the cues of the person in front of them, thinking one size fits all. They read this beautiful script, missing the person in front of them, not picking up any of their cues or customizing it to them. And at the end, the person's like, well, I kind of maybe sort of feel a little bit better. That's not how I work. How I work is I'm working with you. And I don't care if I see 10 people and they all have sugar addiction uh, on a Wednesday morning. Those 10 people have 10 different traumas. Those 10 different people have 10 different stories. Those 10 different people have 10 different triggers that cause them to overindulge in sugar. So I'm always watching, rather than go in with a fixed agenda, I'm going to do X technique and Y technique and yada, yada, yada. I'm watching what you respond to and what you don't respond to. I'm listening to the words that you hang on to. I'm listening to your silences. I'm watching your body language, but I don't just mean big body language like this, which means, oh, I'm closed off. It could also mean you're cold, but I'm looking at those micro movements when you say certain words inside your mind. What, what, what quadrants do your eyes tap into? I take a snapshot of how you look in your trauma state or your problem state when you come into the session. And I'll do, I'll see how people respond. And typically at the end of the session, I usually work with people for one to three sessions and most things are um, alleviated, if not completely eradicated by three sessions. And at the end of our work together, I take another snapshot in my brain and I'm listening to what a client says and what they're saying. But I'm also mm -hmm. comparing the picture of the very first session, the very first moment when the person was in the problem state, the trauma, the anxiety, the depression, the addictive state and how they look now that they're done. And if they look sufficiently different to me and they're telling me not just with their words, but their mm -hmm. body language, I'm like, great. This work is essentially done at that point. Well, how do you know it's really, how long does it take for you to know it's working? Like, how how would you say? like? Yeah, well, I'm day? always testing people all of the time to see how they're responding, how they're responding to certain things. It, it, I call myself the mixed martial arts of uh, hypnosis. So I don't know if you know much about mixed martial arts, but in the old days, it was, here's the karate man, here's the boxer man, here's the wrestler man or woman, right? And they've all uh -huh. got their skills and wrestling beats boxing and boxing beats karate everything there's areas there's good stuff to take from karate there's good stuff to take from wrestling there's good stuff to take from boxing so what i do is i have this whole tool case of many different techniques so if hypothetically metaphorically i'm boxing with your problem and my jab isn't efficient at knocking it out i might take it down and go for a metaphorical chokehold on your problem but again i'm watching how you respond what how, how you feel how things have shifted i've taken your temperature your emotional temperature if you will at the beginning of the session and i'll take it at the end multiple times to see that we're going in the right area for you and that that problem that that emotional state that stuck state um, that limiting belief that limiting decision is gone now we can see that in a session uh, an mm -hmm. emotional state, a belief, we can see it in a session, but the actual behavior will change. You were talking a little bit about sugar earlier on. The behavior will change is, hey, what happens on Friday when I'm around these people, my family, that usually trigger yeah. me to overindulge? So that time, that bit takes a little bit more time. The emotion, the belief, we can see that in the session. 
because that can change in an instant. But that behavior, I typically have at least a week between sessions with my clients because I want them to go out into the really real world if there is mm -hmm. such a thing, yeah. be around those things that they're labeled as triggers and see how they interact differently with those now. So when they come back to the next session, they'll be like, Luke, oh my God, it was amazing here. It was amazing here. Didn't touch sugar. Didn't think about it. Yeah. One area over here with my ex-husband that when I'm around him, yada, so then we're showing the torch. <laughs> yeah. Or, or personal change in that area to start to knock that, that proverbial building and problem down. To answer the question. Yeah, it's like you're okay when you're by yourself, but what if you're with a bunch of people and how are you going to react? Especially, you know, when you have the holidays coming up and everything's around food for addiction. I mean, with sugar, there's it's kind of hard because you need food to survive. It's not like alcohol or you know, uh, drugs because you can get them out of your house. Mm. You can't just especially when you're around social, you know, interactions, you have to have it. I mean, you have to mm. you can't just say, well. I'm going to go to my hip, you know, have my hypnosis therapy and I'm going to really try and then come, you know, Sunday or Saturday when you're having friends over and they want, Oh, what are we getting pizza? You know, candy, you know, let's go get some ice yeah. cream. You know, what, how do you deal with it? But let me, let me know, tell me some of the um, common myths surrounding. Uh, I can make you do things against your will. Now, if I had a gun to your head, and I ask you to do something that perhaps you didn't want to do, or I'm going to kill you, you still have a choice. Yes. The choice might not be a good choice, but the choice is do what I'm telling you to do, or you die. It's a crap choice, but you still have a choice. The same thing in hypnosis is there's a belief that you can make people do things against their will. Um, the fact of the matter is, if you're working with a hypnotist and he gives you unscrupulous suggestions that are against your will against your values or physically put you in danger mm -hmm. and you are a well-balanced human being an example of this is hey run into the middle of the road naked in rush hour traffic and jump in front of the biggest truck you can see most people won't do that because no. they're open their eyes they have that's what a stupid horrible uh, suggestion that is and they wouldn't do it because it, it because it's against their values it's against their survival mechanism however there are some people that very very deeply below the surface they may have those beliefs mm -hmm. they may want to do that so they actually might accept that suggestion the average person the typical people i've seen in i don't know 10,000 cases i've never had that happen um, but but there are some people that they may not know it, and there may be a suggestion, a trauma, a landmine, if you will, that was planted mm -hmm. before the age of five that they're not even consciously, cognitively aware of, and they seemingly are well balanced through life, other than you know uh, things we all go through. But then one day someone steps on that landmine and it goes off, and they have a break, they have a psychological e episode. And something terrible happens. So we can't mm -hmm. make people do things against their will. However, nobody knows what's really deeply below the surface. An example of this is if I'm doing a stage show and someone comes up and they're doing a uh, hypnotic striptease or, you know, something like that that's out of their character and they open their eyes and their friends go, hey, did you just see what you just did on stage? Hey, Jenny, I can't believe that. No, what did I do on stage? Because this this Jenny is very introverted. She's very shy. Well, you run up on stage and you were doing like a hypnotic strip dart strip tease. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do anything like that. That's against my character. I would never do that. 
and they show you the DVD. <laughs> oh, oh. Now, this character called Jenny, who shares your name as well, she she then had an unconsciously, she may have gone through her whole life being very introverted. I wouldn't say boo to a goose, as we said. But when she was given that environment of hypnosis, well, it wasn't me that did it. I'm not that type of person. That hypnotist made me do it. <sighs> she had the excuse to do it, at least unconsciously. So even though people may present as one thing, mm -hmm. that's what they want the whole world to see. But typically people, a lot of time, unconsciously, they're not even aware of why they're this way or why they do this or why they bite their nails or why they keep re-traumatizing themselves. They just think it happens because nobody gave them the manual on how to run their brain. They weren't born one day and a surgeon gave their parents a manual how to run Jenny's brain so she could feel amazing, happy and have complete control of her life. I don't, I'm not sure if you ever got that manual, Jenny, but I never got it. No, I never got it. So I don't have to worry about coming to a, like, if I make an appointment with you and say, Oh God, I'm so scared. What if, you know, what if he tells me to do something or, you know, I can't do, you know, uh, so I don't have to worry about that. No, <laughs> my, my, my hypnosis, here's how I explain hypnosis to people that I work with. I've got a very different way of doing hypnosis. A lot of people, the stereotype is, imagine I've got the hypothetical uh, medallion or pendulum look into my yeah, eye. Yeah, that's what I always oh, think about yeah, when I speak, when yeah. hear about that. That's old school hypnotist. I, I'm a bit hipper than that. So sometimes I speak really fast like this and people Okay. <laughs> so I overwhelm them. Sometimes it just seems, people say, well, look, I'm very analytical. I can't be hypnotized. So sometimes their eyes will be open for the whole sessions. And I'll typically be telling them stories that are very interesting, that are very entertaining, but a deep, unbedded, unconscious level, the solution to the change that they're looking for is there. So they'll come out of the session, look, look I didn't, you didn't hypnotize me. I don't feel hypnotized, but I don't feel sad anymore. I don't, my heart isn't beating when I think about approaching a pretty girl that I want to speak to in the street. <laughs> oh, look, when I think about sugar now, even though you haven't done anything with me, I just don't really want to do it. So this, I, I come in where the client is. Rather than me have my fixed ethics and techniques I'm going to put upon you, I'm going to come in where Jenny is, see what you need, trust my unconscious or my subconscious mind to have a delivery mechanism to you that I can deliver it to your unconscious that it can understand. So it might be eyes open. It might be eyes closed. I might tell you stories. I might give you direct suggestions like, Jenny, you will not eat sugar now and you'll feel amazing. Sometimes I might just relax your mind. Sometimes I might get you to tap or hold certain okay. parts of the body. There's many different ways I'll come at it, but I'll just see what type of person you are, what your makeup is, if you if you will, and, and the best way to deliver it that will make sense, not to your conscious mind or cognitive mind, because I've been studying hypnosis for 25 years, still a student of it, and um, I have no idea how it works. In yeah. the same way, if I text my girlfriend right now on my phone, I know if I put a bunch of letters in and I press send, that text message will go from my phone to hers. I have no idea of the technology, how it gets there. Yeah. I just know it works. It's kind of like the same way of hypnosis. I know that when I, I know the right words to say at the right time to be able to get to my, my clients unconscious to allow them to start to heal themselves and make those shifts. So what's the longest, like, you know, you see some people on television, what we're going to do, we're going to like a show, we're going to do a five minute or a three minute hypnosis today. Can you do something like that? Like right now to me and the audience, like something maybe like I, I don't want to have, let's say candy, jelly beans or mm. 
Can you yeah. do something like that? Well, technically, I think it's illegal in America to do hypnosis on the radio. Technically, I think it really? is. Really? I never ever heard that well, one. Amazing, because it's illegal, but then you'll play the commercials for the product you're selling, which are all hypnotic. Every commercial that you see, you're up late one night and you're you're on QVC or your equivalent. You're like, I don't <gasps> need anything. Then you see that knife. That <gasps> oh, was that day I was getting hypnotized? I, okay, that would explain it. And you're like, oh my God, that knife that cuts through a boot. I never thought I needed that until right now. That makes sense. Yeah. So the best marketers in the world, the best sales people in the world, um, they're all great hypnotists, whether they want to label it hypnosis. You know what? That's true because if you ever, like, what do you call it? Uh, when you're watching TV and all of a sudden you see something. So they must have put something in there. Like, what is that called? Count me out. You were going to say subliminals, right? Subliminal. Yes. You see, not only am I a hypnotist, but I'm also a mind yes, reader. Yes, you're a mind reader. <laughs> everything's hypnosis and nothing's hypnosis like we can't like you can point to your head you can point or you can touch your phone you can't point to this thing called hypnosis where is it but you are also can't point to a thing called anxiety you can point to where you feel anxiety but you can't point to well hey this is a bottle this is anxiety no you can't you can't point to it doesn't mean it isn't real doesn't mean a client's problem isn't their problem. Doesn't mean they don't suffer from it. However, it's illogical. So hypnosis, like to quote, to paraphrase Albert Einstein, illogical problems require illogical solutions. So when I work with people, I lovingly, respectfully said, hey, if you could have fixed this problem yourself, consciously, with your intellect, um, you would have done it by now, wouldn't you? They're like, yeah, of course, Luke. Well, why I wouldn't be here if I could have fixed it. I'm like, so it makes no sense for me to speak to you, your intellect, your conscious mind, your adult mind, because you've tried for 30, however old they are, years to fix it. So respectfully, I'm going to ignore you, at least this part of you, for our work together. And I'm going to speak directly to your unconscious, your subconscious, your monkey mind, the bit the that stores the memories, the bit that beats the heart, the bit that breathes the lungs, the bit that moves the body. And it's going to communicate with me. It might communicate by hijacking your voice box and certain words come out of your mouth that you hear, but it's not you consciously saying. It might start to move your hand in a certain way that you'll be aware that it's a moving. So I'm going to get you to open your eyes and look at it. But you won't consciously, cognitively be um, be in control of these micro movements that you'll mm -hmm. feel and that I'll see that will be happening. And clients will see it and they'll be a little freaked out for a moment. But then they'll start to chuckle like, holy S word, this is amazing. I'm not in. I'm like, you're not hypnotized, are you? They're like, no. I'm like, so stop your hand from moving. They're like, Luke, I can't. This is really weird, but really cool at the same time. And I do things like that with clients. Because it's never about me doing any hocus pocus. It's never mm -hmm. about me doing any, oh, I'm the amazing hypnotist. I do what we call phenomenon, like fingers together, hands together, hand moving, locking a client's eyelids down. I do know, not to prove how strong I am, because it isn't about me, but to prove that if certain words can allow a client to glue their eyelids down, then maybe they can glue in place their new diet or their new healthy way of eating. If I can give a client a suggestion that their hands are magnets and they're going to come together all by themselves automatically, then maybe they can start to draw the belief that they can attract the love of their life to their life. So everything I do, even the fun stuff that you might see in show, isn't just for S-word and giggles. 
It's all about showing a client that they're in complete control unconsciously. And if they can glue their eyelids, if they can forget their name that they've had since birth, probably the most important word in their life, if they can forget their name, then mm-hmm. maybe they can forget that trauma. Maybe they can forget their, the last person who broke their heart. But it all draws back to if you can do this, imagine what you can do here. Empowerment. Now, when you you were saying something and like t- telling them to tap, does this have anything like the tapping that they talk about? Like they do this and they do that, or is that totally deaf? Totally. Yeah, so, so I'm not. I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about, but it looks like probably there's there's different schools of thought, but there's different radio stations, right? Different networks. There's different forms of tapping, but one of the beliefs in tapping, there's some science to to back it up as well. Is there's think of acupuncture or acupressure Mm -hmm. and you'll go to the acupuncturist and they'll apply little needles in certain blocked areas of your body whether that to be alleviate pain like you might have a back pain but they start sticking needles in your forehead you're like why are they sticking needles in my forehead when i've come for a back pain but there'll be a meridian line okay the meridian line exactly that will and i'm not exactly sure of this but this is a hypothetical that when they start to put the needles in the forehead it starts to relieve the pain in the back so oftentimes a client will come to me and the problem's never the problem. The client comes to me and they're heroin addict and all they want to do is get rid of heroin. They think heroin's the problem. Heroin's just a symptom of a trauma of a problem that's been mm-hmm. unresolved. The client is like, I've got anxiety. By the way, nobody has anxiety. This is for someone who has suffered from anxiety. All anxiety is, is a label that someone strapped on, glued on to a bunch of processes that happen into the body. Really? It might be the heart beating. It rapidly it might be perspiring it might be catastrophizing in your thinking imagining things are going horribly wrong and all these things uh, the psychiatrist came along and they just strapped the label yeah. on it called anxiety so i'm never interested in people's labels i am depressed well what is the well what does that feel like for you well look it's like oh, i'm hunched over i feel heavy my breathing is shallow i'm looking at all the little things that make up the label of anxiety that make up the label of chronic depression so we can start to mess around in a good way those little um things in the body so then they can never do the anxiety the same way they can never do the depression the same way they can never do the chronic pain in the same way much like getting an old cd when we used to listen to cds and you get things out and you or a knife and you start to scratch up that cd and then if you go to play a cd once it's been scratched the heck out of what happens to the CD if you try and play it once it's been scrapped and scraped? It's just got messed up. Doesn't play the same way. Play the same. It's, it's that's kind of what I do with the recipe of how people do problems unconsciously in their head. But I didn't forget your question. Tapping. So tapping is yeah. like uh, in Chinese medicine, meridian points, just different points all over your body, literally hundreds of them. So rather than sticking needles through some some people i'll get them to tap certain points certain algorithms in their body they'll be tapping modalities for clients that i see they're anxious they'll be tapping modalities different sequences mm-hmm. if you will of people that are suffering chronic pain or depression so fascinating yeah i'll get them to tap certain areas sometimes i'll, I'll get a reading of how the pain is or the anxiety or the depression out of 10. I'll get them to do a couple of rounds of certain algorithms and then we'll come back and, and we'll retest. Well, where's the pain or the problem now? And typically it would have halved or it might be completely gone after a few rounds. And uh, it sounds like BS. It sounds like yeah. BS as well. But I've just seen it work and had it work on myself 
way too many times for it for there not to be something for it. So oftentimes that'll be one of the first things I'll do with clients because it's a really uninvasive way of starting to weaken up their problem. The structure of their problem start to loosen it so it becomes more malleable and more easy to deal with as we get on. It's like like taking a bulldozer ball and hitting the building, but just hitting it enough that it starts to rock. Just enough to, yeah, just enough to have a reaction. Let me ask you, how would you handle a client that has these unrealistic goals? How would you handle them? Like, I get that most people I meet, Jenny, masturbate. I mean, how many times have you masturbated today? No, I don't mean masturbate, not masturbate, masturbate. I must be a millionaire before the age of 35. Yes. I must be married with kids with the old. Oh, no, definitely. definitely. I must have that beautiful, picturesque house all paid off by the age of 45. Most Yes, people- I want to lose 30 pounds by. April. <laughs> yeah. Well, wait, April. Yeah. So technically, you could do that. It's I could fasting. probably be dead too. <laughs> you could do it by fasting, but that would probably be too hard on your system if you've never fasted before. But but a lot of times when I feel clients uh, get clients, they they masturbate. I must do this. I must do that. So let me give you a little example of this, and maybe if your listeners are listening, it's safe for them to do that. They're not driving any heavy machinery right now, driving. <laughs> it's safe for them to do it. Just, I want you to say to yourself now, I must relax. I must relax. Notice if that. Notice what that does to your body. When you say must, does it make you relaxed or does it make you more relaxed? It, it makes make me more, more anxious. anxious. It makes yes. me I mean, I, I must, must do it before I the end of the day. Damn it. I must get the ideal man or woman. I must have that must. house. So masturbating, we all do it, by the I way. I don't have to use it. I like it, masturbating. Yeah. It, you it, hear it, that, it, folks? Masturbate. It's like shooting. Most people should all over themselves. Don't before. masturbate. Yeah. Stop <laughs> masturbating and stop shooting all over yourself as well. Well, I should be up at 7 o'clock. I should do an hour of cardio before breakfast. Yes. Morning. I should go and make 10 sales calls before 10 a.m. So stop shooting all over yourself and stop masturbating. Now, what I want you to do now, Jenny, is instead of saying I must relax, in your head or out loud, and, and your listeners can do this as well, just say, just say, I'd like to relax. I'd like to relax. Now notice the difference. I'd like to relax. I feel very relaxed. All we did was change one word. So stop masturbating. A lot of people, and I myself, uh, have been accused of this. I accuse myself of it. Very black and white thinking. Sometimes very black and white thinking, like my T-shirt, is very useful. But sometimes when it comes to personal change, black and white thinking is horrible. I'll give an example of a client and I'll change her name to protect the innocent. So I saw this lady and the only time I'll see someone for more than three sessions is if, is if they've got a heck of a lot of weight to lose. We're saying mm-hmm. 50 to 100 pounds because they're not going to lose 50 pounds after one session. They're not going to lose 100 pounds typically after three sessions, right? So let's. I had this lady that I'd done my typical three sessions and I was checking in with her once a month. We were doing a session for a year. And I think uh, it's two years, I think. Yeah, she wants to lose 100 pounds. So uh, two years down the line, she came in, you know, and uh, it was the deadline that she'd set for herself. And um, she weighed herself and she'd lost 95 pounds. So I'm like over the moon for her. I'm figuring she's going to be over yeah. the moon. This is great. She did it slowly. She did it the right way. I've seen the change. She's just 95 pounds. So I'm, I'm thinking she's going to be over the moon. But her face looks like a child smacked behind. It was just like this. 
but miserable and deeply upset. And she starts crying, and these were not tears of Aww. joy. Um, and I'm thinking, this is when I was kind of new in hypnosis, right? I'm thinking, well, what's going on here? She she lost 95 pounds. This is frigging amazing. And she's like this, hand uh, head down. Uh, and she's like, and she's like, starts crying, starts bawling. Then she starts to get angry. And I'm just sitting back thinking, what the heck is going on here? And I'm like, we'll call her June. That wasn't her real name. Like, June, what's, what's going on? She's like, I fouled. I'm like, huh? She failed. Wait, she lost 95 pounds. Like, you lost 95 pounds. You went from a size, I don't know, size 30 to a size 12. What do you mean you failed? You got into that 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 a swimming outfit that uh, two years ago it was your biggest nightmare to be in an outfit like this. It's because look, my goal was to lose a hundred pounds in two years. I lost 95 pounds. I fouled. This has been a complete waste of time. I've wasted my money, I've wasted my time. She came in with must rather than celebrating. Oh my god, I yeah, 95 pounds is a lot. Yeah, let, let's say my goal is to make a million dollars this year, but I only make 950 hundred thousand. I think I'm gonna celebrate that. But her black and white thinking was no, I did not hit the target, I fouled. So we had to do a so bunch of work to make her realize if you achieve up to 95% of your goal, you should pr pretty much celebrate because that's pretty friggin' amazing. Yeah, 50% would be amazing. Yeah. But the 30. Must in, it must be a hundred pounds. The black and white thinking, I either lose a hundred pounds or or I don't lose exactly a hundred pounds and I fouled. But sometimes people can achieve the goal and they're still like they're still not oh. happy. Yeah, masturbating. Get rid of your masturbating. Yeah, I'd be happy with just a, you know, being happy with. Was it? What does the doctor tell you? I think fifteen percent of your weight. If you lose that, that's awesome. But yeah, that's uh, that's really incredible that she was so upset. So, what steps would you take to ensure a client that they they'll achieve their results? What steps would you would you take? Yeah. Well, well, first of all, I'm not achieving their results for them ever. It's always them. Sometimes people will say to me, Luke, can you guarantee that I'll lose this weight? Luke, can you guarantee I won't be anxious? Luke, can you guarantee I'll never grieve the death of a loved one? To which I say, yeah, could, yeah. could your doctor guarantee that? Could your lawyer guarantee that? Nobody can guarantee anything because it's the human condition that you go through. So absolutely, in the same way that you go to a doctor because you want to have a cancer removed, and you say, doctor, can you guarantee it will never come back? He could give you a statistic. Well, there's a 78% probability it won't come back. But, but no, if you want to guarantee a thing's working, go to Walmart, get your receipt. Mm. But what I can do and what I do bring to the dance is I'm never here to save people. I'm here to help people to hypnotize themselves. So I've done hypnosis and change work for close to 25 years now, well over 10,000 clients for every problem you can imagine from heroin addiction, cocaine addiction to people that couldn't publicly speak to people that had chronic pains of over three months that weren't going away. I've never fixed, I've never changed any of these people. 
what I've done is I've coached them in a way that they could save themselves, that they could unblock themselves, that they could take the steps they needed first in their mind and then secondly in their behavior in the real world to make those shifts. And as long as those people came to play ball, meaning mm -hmm. um, I make agreements with people at the beginning of the session, the first agreement is not to listen passively, not just to be like, oh, yeah, Luke, I really want to change. No, no, people need to be engaged in the process because I'm if I'm working harder in the session than my client something is way too wrong so first of all the client needs to be actively participating in this process of change work secondly i ask my clients to whatever their problem whatever they know about hypnosis change work counseling psychotherapy whatever their problem of choice is whatever they know i ask them to make an agreement with me that for our time together they'll just put all their prior knowledge to one side because all their prior knowledge has kept them stuck so yeah. we come into it and I need them to basically have a, a, a fresh whiteboard, if you will. All right. Where the, the whiteboard is empty. And it's the third agreement is I, I ask clients to listen to me differently because I, I notice sometimes the words I say are not the words my clients hear inside. Their head. How, what do you what do you mean by that? Like, yeah. So I'll, I'll have discussions with clients and I'll be like, um, let's say. I'm just giving you an example here. Imagine that uh, there's two powerful magnets between your fingers and they're going to pull your fingers automatically together by themselves. Okay. Watch it. Don't fight it. Just allow it to happen automatically. And the fingers come together 95% of the time. 95% of the time? I'll look. And if it hasn't happened in 30 seconds, <laughs> I know that the client is actively resisting because this is not hypnosis. This is just physiology. If you keep your fingers here, I've set it up in such a way that your hands and your fingers and your tendons are tight. They have to come together. Yeah. It's physiology. For them not to come together within 30 seconds, it means the person in front of me is actively fighting the suggestion. So I'll say to my client, what, 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 what happened? Oh, well, yeah, I'm, mad. I'm like, your fingers didn't touch, and I'll call attention to it. They're like, no, no, it didn't touch. So what were you doing inside your head? Or uh, I don't know. How can you not know what you were doing inside your head 30 seconds ago? Hmm. I'm like, did you imagine the magnets? Oh, no, no, I didn't do that. Ah, so the words that I said were not the words you heard inside your head. No. And when I asked you just to allow it to happen, what did you hear? Oh, to resist it, to not allow it to happen because I didn't want to lose control. Well, they didn't They didn't want to be hypnotized then if that's the case, right? What, 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 it, it's the resistance. Yeah, it's, it, it's resisting, usually unconscious. But, yeah, they need to come in and they need to be like, they might not know what hypnosis is. They might not mm -hmm. know exactly what it is that I do. But they need to be open to the fact of as long as it's safe, ethical and non-fattening that they need to be non-fattening i have to put that one inside there um, but they, mm. they have to follow instructions if, if someone comes to me and they don't follow instructions it, it doesn't matter if i'm tony robbins and i'm in front of them yeah really it, nothing's going to change because they're not following instructions but if someone's like i'm open not quite sure what's going to happen and i can follow simple instructions like close my eyes imagine mm -hmm. this imagine that then we're well off to the races hypnosis is not about intelligence it's not about intellect because we're not working with that part of the brain we're working with your creative part of the brain the bit that makes your problems the, the bit that makes the the dark shadow in the corner of your bedroom look like a monster when you're a kid when really it's just a shadow of a dress or a jacket but to a child's mind it's like oh my god that big that big black shadow in a corner that must be yeah a 
Well, working with that part of the brain, because it's that part of the brain or the mind that creates these larger than life problems that overwhelms clients. But they just need to be able to follow simple instructions and want to be there and want to do the work. So what would you do um, if a client was mentally unstable and you knew that? Now, would you suggest not to do hypnosis or would you actually try to help them through their issues and try to try to do a session? Um, you need to be more specific with that, wouldn't you? Like, if they're mentally unstable, they're, they're you can tell that they have this, oh, I want to do this, that they come up with, I have a problem with my family. Oh, you cut off there, Jenny. In the show. Hey Jenny, I'm not sure if you're still there, but it is just me, and you seem to you're unstable. There we got an unstable. There you go. I was getting worried there. Unstable broadcast. I was like, we're oh, taking over your show right here. So live I, radio. <laughs> there you go. So what keeps it keeps it real. So if I get a client, so before I ever take anyone on as a client, um, I get them to fill out a question, right? And um, and if I see any any red flags there, anything that uh, could potentially be harmful to them or harmful for me working with them, then then um, I've already got that before I've even spoke to them on the phone. So first of all, they've filled out a questionnaire and I'm seeing what their problem is, some of their history, where they are, you know, and if it does require referral from a doctor, if there is some kind of psychosis there, if it's something very serious, um, typically I'll ask for referral. The second thing I do before I take someone on as a client is we have a one hour three screening call so it's not oh, See, that's what i mean like you have yeah. oh yeah have these unreally, unrealistic expectations of you to do these oh you know that i don't know yeah i'm crazy on, on that screening call I'm, I'm really like um trying to find out where they are and, and if i can work with them and if they're ready to be worked with and again there's no really dangerous red flags where perhaps they need to be speaking to a medical a medical professional stuff like that and because i've been doing this for 25 yeah, years yeah you've been doing it for a while you should be able to weed like, out the people yeah and i and, I, and if and I, and typically you know i don't know maybe three in ten clients that i'll get on the phone i i, I respect respectfully refer them on or respectfully, so I don't think that, that we'd be a good match because I only want to work with people that want to work with me and they're ready to do the work in inside their head. And they're there and like, they're not like, oh my God, I'm broken, Luke, fix me, be the savior, hallelujah. They're like, no, I'm ready to fix myself. I'm not quite sure what tools I need. Maybe you can help me to be empowered and have the agency to fix myself. And I'm like, totally, that kind yeah. of thing I can work it's like It's like, if you, how do you know, like, a person that comes in to, to talk to you that has an eating disorder that's so bad that you know, like they just come and say, you know what, How, Luke, I just don't want to deal with um, food at all. I don't want to eat. I just don't want to eat anymore. Can you hypnotize me? I just want to get to a certain weight and I don't want to, I want to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. You know what I mean? So that you would tell them that you got a serious issue or what? Well, no, you could, you, depending on, I mean, I fasted at Christmas for 14 days, no food, just black coffee. So so the studies behind, behind, behind fasting is actually very powerful. Well, and, you did that for 14 days, right? Yeah. But you didn't do it for like 
50, 60. I mean, if this person has a, you, okay. He comes into the, to the session and he's so thin mm. and he wants to be, he just wants not to eat anymore. And he wants to yeah, well, eliminate food. We call e ecological, right? So if, I, if, if, if a client comes to me and they say, look, I want to keep cutting my wrists, but I don't want to feel any physical pain. That's not ecological. Yeah, that's just not. It's hurting them. So I have to do an ecological check to make sure that, that what they want isn't in a weird roundabout way going to hurt them and be unecological. So yeah, I do do that check. Definitely do that check with people. It's very Definitely. Um, I mean, I wish I could get through my fasting without being hungry. Now, could you, could you do a hypnosis on me that I would be able to ignore the hunger pains? Yeah. How long is the longest that you've fasted with zero food, zero calories? What's the longest you've done? No, I can, I tried to go, this is pathetic, uh, till 6 p.m. from the night before at 6. So I can't, I would love to do, like I'm fasting for my religious beliefs for Lent. And I want to fast, like today I'm fasting. I haven't eaten anything since yesterday at Sabahari about six. I haven't eaten yet, but I would like to extend my fast. Yeah. But I, the problem, like right now I'm talking to you, my stomach's growling. Yeah. That, that hunger gets really intense and they said, ignore it. And I try to ignore it, but I would like to go 36 hours and not yeah. through. And it's so and, hard. And you, and you could do that, but it's much like going to a gym, right? And you've never squatted before. And you go to the gym and let's say you're about to squat 100 pounds and you've never squatted before and you get underneath that rack and it's 100 pounds and you can't do one rep and you've set yourself up for failure, right? So when I first started to fast, I would do, oh, I don't know, after day, 12 hours. Then I got to 24 hours. Then I got Okay, to so you gradually wean yeah. into well, I've been doing this point till 3. I was doing till 3 p.m. Like I did the OMAD. I said, I'm going to stop eating at 6 o'clock. So I'd go 6 o'clock till 3. And then I wouldn't, well, it was usually one in the middle of the day. It wasn't like I had coffee with collagen in it. And that's my problem. I can't go past a certain hour. I've been yeah. trying to. It's like I yeah. want to, I should be able to do it by now because yeah. I've been doing it so long. I should be able to move to the next progression. You must. You must be able. I must. No, I, I would like to go. That. Yeah. Well, you have a belief in place right now that says you can't go beyond whatever that Because I get. Is it because my brain is telling me I'm a little scared? I don't want to pass out in the bathtub or something? I don't know. Yeah, well, well, But well, I won't well, pass out. I know I won't. From years of doing fasting myself, um, what I know is typically after about 18 hours, it's like when I fast for 14 days, honestly, hand on heart, I only got hungry, like tummy hungry, not head hungry, not, oh, my God, I've gone past McDonald's and I want a Big Mac. But one minute ago when I wasn't near McDonald's, Big Mac wasn't in my mind actual tummy hungry which is luke you need to friggin eat now or you're gonna pass out yeah in 14 days i only got hungry tummy hungry will want real hunger three times and they lasted all less than about 15 minutes the consistent mental way of craving the consistent oh it's lunch it's breakfast it's dinner i must eat of going out with friends of watching my favorite t-shirt tv show all those triggers where i typically eat i'd have to deal with those every time multiple times through the day but as in tummy hungry the longer you fast with no food the easier it becomes that's what i hear i've heard that yeah and, and probably why you're getting stuck around 12 or 18 hours is insulin right it yeah. takes the body um it depends who you listen to but anywhere from about 18 hours 
to sometimes up to a week to go into ketosis, which means going from burning fat, excuse me, burning carbohydrates, which mm -hmm. is our, our number one fuel, uh, to burning fat. And when I would do a three-day fast, it was always that the second day, uh, always like coming into day three, that would be the hardest. I'd get brain zapped. I'd mm -hmm. get brain fog. I wasn't hungry, but I would typically break my fast then because my brain started to go, I've never done drugs before, but started to go yeah. all over the place. And what I realized is my body was going to burning carbs, to burning fat, to ketosis, right? And that, that process of switching, the switch from burning carbs to burning fat, that's oftentimes where your body goes a bit loopy, gets a bit of brain fog, the fatigue hits in. But if you can be in ketosis, which is burning like low, low carbs, if okay. you can be into ketosis, low carbs before you do a fast, then you don't end up in day three of a fast. You're like, oh, I'm really hungry because you're already into ketosis before the diet has started. So it becomes exponentially yeah. easier, exponentially easier for you to continue versus Going so into what do you tell somebody that's been doing keto keto because I've been doing keto, but I have this issue right now with the jelly beans. I got to get out of my system that I've had them. Don't ask me why, but if I stay on keto, um, fasting, isn't a problem. It's just staying, getting beyond the 16 hour, 18 hour, taking it to the next level, 24, 36 hours. Yeah. Could you well, could yeah, you do first, something like that, like with yeah. hypnosis? So first of all, I need to find out what your end result is because if your end result was hypothetically, I, lose, I need to lose ten pounds. There's multiple ways to lose ten pounds. Yeah, well, my ultimate way is to lose thirty. I want to lose thirty yeah. pounds. I my my I'm going to be sixty next month. I don't like to tell my age, but I, I'm going to be sixty, and I had a goal that I wanted to reach before my, it's too late now because my birthday is next week. <laughs> so I'm never going to make the 30 pounds. Okay. But maybe just chop off a leg or two. Yeah. Just chop off a leg uh, or two. Don't do that. But I'm just saying, it's like, if I, okay, I have to get rid of, I want to train my mind. Mm. And I thought of hypnosis and I, I reached out to you in an email and I said, what about that gastric bypass hypnosis? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Does that work? Could no, I try that? It doesn't work at all. I've just been doing it for 20 years, but I hypnotize people to believe it. <laughs> no, would it like I want I want to try that. Maybe just just to get to my goal of 30 pounds through hypnosis using something sort of like that or getting past my threshold for fasting. You know, if I could do something like that to train my mind. Because hmm. I do believe your mind can I do believe in hypnosis, but I don't know if it'll work for somebody like me who's like, okay stubborn yeah my brain well, that, that, that's just strong yeah. i'm strong willed well 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 if you were strong willed you'd been able to lose the weight by now so the very fact you haven't been able to achieve this thing okay you well do, you've oh, got a belief you've got a belief that you label as stubbornness that's keeping you stuck so my first question to you is this belief about being stubborn does that serve you and what you what you've been saying so far it doesn't because no. it isn't helping you achieve your goal now that that suggestion that you can't get beyond 18 to 18 hours, I think you said, or lose that 30 pounds. That's a suggestion already that either you gave to yourself unconsciously or the world gave to you multiple times unconsciously. Mm -hmm. Now you're operating as if it's real because it feels as if the block's right there. You've already been hypnotized, but it's been S word hypnosis, S hit hypnosis. Can't say the word, but you know what I'm saying. So S hit 
hypnosis. So it's already been done to you. And it's already working because you didn't sit down one day and say, I'm going to I'm going to put this suggestion inside my head that I'm going to be 30 pounds overweight and I'm not going to be able to lose it. And by the way, I'm not going to be able to go past 18 hours of fast. But you heard it. A belief came in and you're operating. I'm as already if you're doing it. To you're already hypnotized. My job is to oftentimes when I work with people is to dehypnotize them from all the nonsense that's already there to get them on the right path. So everyone I see, somebody who's anxious is a strong form of hypnosis. Someone who's depressed is a so strong form of hypnosis. So we use hypnosis, but a lot of people do S-word hypnosis on themselves. They're not, con they're not deliberately, consciously doing it, but they are doing it to themselves. Yeah. And it helped to unhypnotize them. Unhypnotize. So they can get on the right path and, and see stuff for what it is, not for what it was yesterday or what they thought it was yesterday. So the first thing I would do with you is I'd unhypnotize you. Okay. Unhypnotize me. That's what I need to get these belief systems out of my head. One in 50, uh, 30 seconds. I don't know if we have enough time, but how would you deal with someone who's very skeptical? skeptical. Very skeptical. I'd ask them if they were a real skeptic or a fake skeptic. And they'd look at me like, what? What's the, and they'd say, what's the difference? And I said, well, a fake skeptic never challenges their skepticism at all. They just accept a black and white thinking. Where a true skeptic will look at look at the thing they're skeptical about, but they'll also look at their belief about being skeptical, and they'll bring both things up and be like, let me test this in the real world to see if my skepticism is real. Okay, well, you hear that, folks? So, unfortunately, I'm going to have to let you go because we're running out of time to finish my last segue. Um, but I think it's fantastic that you came on and I hope maybe somebody else can get hold of you. So where can they go to get hold of you? Because I think I'm going to go and email you later on and get some Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the easiest way is to go over to my website, lukenosis.com, L-U-K-E-N-O-S-I-S.com. Luke, like me, and Gnosis, like hypnosis. And they can also go to YouTube, find my YouTube channel, Luke Gnosis. Instagram, Luke Gnosis. Facebook, Hypnosis, but the website or YouTube, Lugnosis would be your best bet. Yeah, there you go, folks. So thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to be getting in touch with you later on. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. Wow, that was really cool. I am definitely going to call him or email him. I do want to get some information on that. I would like to try to be reprogrammed, as we would say. I would. I think that would really work. I mean, like I said, I've tried. I've tried hypnosis years ago. Oh my God. Years ago. And I, I would like to go because I have this nervous itch that I'm every time I'm actually scarring up myself. But before I let you guys go, I don't know if anybody had the chance to um, hear Biden's last remarks. He was talking to <laughs> a, um, a nurse. He was talking about a nurse that he went to and he was doing his whispering thing again. I would like to get, if you guys want to email me in the no radio program at Gmail, I want to know if you, anybody has saw that. I would love to get your take on it. Cause I think it's really creepy getting back to, um, Palestine, East Palestine, Ohio. And now they're telling people not to go there at all to visit. I'm still trying to find a rescue that have talked to people about their animals. I'm, I keep getting messages from people telling me about it. And I think we have to do something. I don't know who we can um, write to or try to find out what can be done about this. And I also wanted to tell you, we ran out of time, but 
did you know that they have, but they've been putting all these additives in our foods lately that we didn't even know that were in there. And a lot of them are um, carcinogenic. And then there has to be something we can do about that too. And so I'm going to try to get some information that we can email somebody. There's so much going on out there and it's kind of creepy. And it's kind of scary. The things that they're talking about, especially with the Wuhan virus um, lab and how they actually, that's where they, they confirmed that it, the COVID virus was started in a lab. And all the conspiracy therapists were saying this for years. You know, like ever since it came out that it was, it wasn't in a wet market. Finally, I was listening to Tucker. I mean, it makes you so angry. I listened to Tucker. I listened to um, Wendy Bell this morning. Some of the stuff that's going on. And it's com finally coming out, which is really good. <laughs> I'm excited about it. It's coming out. Although I don't like what's happening. Um, and we got to be really prepared. I know a lot of people are starting those micro gardens in your home. So that's something we can think about doing to protect ourselves. Starting to prep for in case what the, does happen with the blackout. People are saying there's three days of darkness. I know that's a big conspiracy thing, but I'm starting to really think it's true. <laughs> and it kind of gets me worried and it gets me in a bad mood. I know like Wendy was talking about um, how things have gotten so bad, but we don't know what to do about it. I mean, she tells, she tells us that we can start buying from us only American made products. I don't know if that's enough. And where are we going to go from here? So I listened, I listened to Sean Kelly's show into the dark last night, into the night he was talking about things, magical things that happen in your yard, like with little specks of light. And some people call it um, fairies. Some people just call it interdimensional creatures. I know this isn't what this show's about, but it makes you wonder and it makes you want to think about it. If there is a special place we can go to in our yards to keep us safe, but the chemtrails and everything else that's polluting the air and the chemicals are putting on to make your lawn green and going outside isn't going to be that magical, huh? If they keep spraying the land and spraying the crops and it goes like my neighbors they spray they they spray their yard every year we were getting it done and for grubs and stuff and is it worth it to put that stuff into our environment and what about the pregnant women in east palestine they have so much to worry about i mean i what can happen we don't know i feel bad for the pregnant mothers and the babies but that's all we can do is pray for everybody. Since it is Wednesday, smile, pray, go outside. <laughs> go outside and enjoy the beautiful oh, sun today. I know out here in Western PA, even though the show is in New Orleans, I broadcast live from Westmoreland County. And it's beautiful. It's like 70 degrees. So I'm I'm enjoying gonna going to enjoy it with my doggie who had a horrible vet uh yesterday. <laughs> the vet came and loaded her out with doggy Valium. She did a fly by the door. UPS man came. She did a body slam against the door. Now she's limping. So hopefully we can get her outside. 
Anyways, we're going to the space. We're going out. We're going to leave you here today. So next week we'll have a good show. I hope everybody has a great, fantastic, fantastic rest of the week. Happy Wednesday. Enjoy. Get out. Life is art. Live yours in color. See you next time.